Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We've used science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you, and you too. Hey, Todd. Hello. So the weather's been turning, but it still feels kind of you know, chilly outside and stuff. But um, speaking of temperature, <laughs> it's not the joke. It's not the joke. Uh, do you know what temperature a baby is when it's born? I don't. Womb temperature. Guess who? <laughs> guess who loaded up their new toy with sound effects this yes. past week? Uh, I love that thing. Uh, that's a womb temperature. That's womb terrible. Temperature. Terrible. Uh, well, how are you, Mark? I'm I'm well. Good. Uh, Nick is gone for the weekend, and and uh, are we going to talk about it? We'll talk about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so crazy. If this were a video podcast situation uh we probably wouldn't be able to show <laughs> photos and everything but so the the drama with nick uh my husband he's uh for the last last few days well a few days ago he uh started feeling weird sensations in kind of one area of his face and he felt that maybe his smile wasn't even and w- that's a really quick indicator of like stroke related symptoms. So we went through the whole list of all of the stroke symptoms. Now, what are they? Cause you said you told me that last night too. And I realized I don't know any of them. All I know is if you're smelling toast, <laughs> which wasn't on the list. Oh, well you can add that because that's <laughs> so, one of them. That's the only one I know. Something smells like burning toast, burning toast. So, um, it's, it's all about issues with your brain, not being able to process things uh correctly so um are you stumbling when you're walking or having difficulties walking or now is a stroke when there's a blood clot and that blood clot all of a sudden bursts loose i believe that's yeah so the physical yeah so it's like blood in your brain that's basically eating away your brain or burning your brain it's like the deck and the nostromo (laughs) and alien exactly exactly and so um uh so i had like nick walk around the couch and you know uh, things like that and talk uh, to me so I asked him some questions and no slurring of words no confusion or disorientation very steady when he walks uh, normal heart rate all the all those uh, kind of things and and we went through a, a pretty exhaustive list but taking a picture of him straight on when he was smiling one edge of his smile wasn't exactly even with the other. And so I'll, I'll show you that image so you can confirm or deny my, my <laughs> diagnosis of that. And, well, and it, it, he's also <laughs> not around, right? Like he's so this, not home right now. This was while he was home. Oh, okay. okay yeah. Okay. So this was the morning before, if you will. And, okay. 
And so it wasn't, uh, I took several pictures straight on. And this one's just a little bit more yep, that's, uh, yeah, pronounced. I saw that one. And, and so one side of his smile, smile. Uh, was just kind of crooked. And so... Um, You're never going to be able to tell with me because I have a totally, from my mother, I have a totally crooked smile. Right. So no one's ever going to be able to tell if I have Bell's palsy. Well, maybe that's good then, I guess. Right. So, uh, so he went on a road trip with his friend Colleen to go about three hours away to a kind of a retreat weekend where they were going to work on some projects and just be away from everything and not be interrupted. And Friday night, he... Um, FaceTimed me and more like it was half, half FaceTime. He it was dramatically different from when he was here in person. And so uh one side of his mouth was talking and the other was not. Wow. You know, and it was it was extremely noticeable. And uh I'm like, okay, so uh you still don't have any of the stroke symptoms. You at least have Bell's palsy. <laughs> And uh, you need to hang up with me right now and you need to either go to the hospital or, and he was really uh, hesitant and resistant to going to the hospital. I said, well, do Zoom care. I believe that they have a app that you can have a face-to-face diagnosis like a Skype call. That's amazing. uh, Where you are face-to-face with a nurse practitioner of some sort. and I've fallen and, <laughs> and I can't get saying, up. Precisely. And and so I, I said, you, you you can't not make a, a move here. Right. You have to do this tonight. And his friend was like, he looks fine. There's no need. I'm like, do not listen to her. She's the <laughs> devil. And it seems like it's always the opposite too, because Nick is always like, "I need to go to the hospital because totally. I have diphtheria well, or whatever." He he was very convinced that he was having a stroke, a stroke, and so he didn't want to die, right? And so by going to the hospital, he would validate that he was having a stroke and that he was dying, right? And so that that's okay. why he wouldn't do it. Okay, okay, and okay. So if you, <laughs> which no, I track doesn't that. Make it I totally track that, and so. <laughs> Uh, and so that's what he thought. And I said, no, you, I, and it's only because when I first moved to Vancouver back in the nineties, I had a coworker who had Bell's palsy and he was like 23 years old, woke up one day and one side of his face was, was lifeless and paralyzed. And, um, he, he went to the hospital and that's what it is. And there's no other negative attributes of it it's it that's just what, paralyzes half of your face because i was uh this kind of all ha- also happened in like a group facebook <laughs> message thread that i was inexplicably missing that happened all day saturday and i came back and i see this thing i see the picture and like even i noticed right away the right. picture and then you said bell's palsy and like i didn't know anything about it and so like and but you're like yucking it up with your <laughs> jokes or whatever so i'm like i don't know what to feel i'm horrified but it's hilarious right. and be, because i'm like you know what's weird so he he ended up going to the hospital at like midnight and stayed until 4 30 a.m he had a MRI to make sure that there was no blood clot and everything else. And it's very clearly a very specific Bell's palsy, which doesn't have a definitive Bell's palsy is always caused by this. It's, right. It could be caused by 
an infection that uh, affects your nervous system. It could be just stress or things like that. And Nick has been super stressed, no symptoms of any other infection or anything like that. And and so his face <laughs> went numb on one side. And uh, or I don't mean to laugh, outside. but it's but funny. It's, but it's really funny. <laughs> and so I'm like, can we dress you up as Quasimodo and scare, and scare <laughs> little kids? And <laughs> I'm sure he appreciated. <laughs> totally. I'm looking because I'm like, oh, I, sh- I, sh- I should pick a um, a show image to post. And I'm like, oh, I'll Google Bell's Posley and, and find the funniest one. You know what? All funny. They're all. <laughs> they're, all they're all. They're all hilarious. Funny. And and it does. It shocks people because. I mean, it's because, it, yeah, it looks dramatic and like it half of your body doesn't work. And right. And you hear palsy. You also only other the only other time you hear that is cerebral right. palsy. So it's like that's why I'm like, but there's nothing else that right. happens. Right. And so it lasts from a few weeks to up to six months. And and then it just goes away. That's so weird. And, and so. Apparently over over the weekend, I, I talked to Nick on FaceTime a couple times since then, and it's not overly dramatic. And, and the example that I've got is from the show Dexter, uh, <laughs> because one of the main characters in Dexter, she she talks half with half of her mouth. And uh, what's the character's okay. name? Uh, let's see. Uh, it's not, not doing it Anywhere. here, uh, but she. <laughs> She she often just speaks from she, one side of her mouth. Totally. Um, so in real life, those two humans, the oh, actors, I did hear got that married, and, so, and they play brother and, and sister brother on the show. Sister on right? The show. Oh, that's yeah. so weird. So speaking of medical things, um, <laughs> my uh, mom and dad came uh, visited me last uh, last Monday and dropped off some firewood and stayed for a little bit. Um, and my dad is going. To, um, they were looking for something minor or whatever, and they needed to uh, look at his upper intestinal tract or whatever. And so they gave him literally a futuristic pill cam. That's amazing. Which is just the size of like, I guess, a Tylenol that has like a full on camera in it that takes like apparently high video. resolution video and pictures of the end of your intestines as it makes its way down isn't that i want amazing i want i told him i i don't know if they've gotten the results back yet but i told my mom i'm like i want to see i want to see pictures and she's like i know i do too so i'm hoping that they'll um that's gotta have have, pictures it's gotta have a little led and everything because it's gotta have light to take a picture yeah i don't know and it's just i mean it's like the jetsons isn't that crazy as the show grinds to a halt about pill cam. How long does the procedure take? You will typically spend approximately 30 minutes at your doctor's office to start the procedure. Once the sensors or sensor belt are placed yeah, on I think your you have abdomen, to put a little thing around your, your the recorder abdomen. is connected and you have swallowed the capsule. You can leave. <laughs> the test can last up to 12 hours as yeah. you digest this capsule. Isn't that crazy? Poop it out. Yeah. And I guess the... Yeah, for twelve hours, I guess it would be like your upper tract, and then because I would imagine it take doesn't it take like a couple days for everything to kind of like work its way through? I guess depending Not on me how much, <laughs> depending on if you've been Indian to cra- food Cracker Barrel, hour. Cracker Barrel lately. <laughs> I told you that I ended up there was one of the Cracker Barrel um, 
uh, mac and cheese, frozen mac and cheese things. Yes. That was uh, no, it wasn't frozen. It was in a little pouch, and it was on uh, Fred Meyer, <laughs> Fred Meyer woohoo sale. <laughs> Which is my favorite thing. They put the little woo sticker when it's like on clearance. I like uh, free download Fridays. What's that? So, uh, do I have to get their app? You have to get their app. They, I, that bothers, that's like 7-Eleven level for me where I won't get their little your card. number? I use my card, but there's also things at Fred Meyer that you have to have the app in addition right. to the card. And that's where I draw the line. Okay. So Safeway it's the made same it data in. that it's collecting. Well, I know, but like it's not on me to have to go through another step but it's on your phone so So on fridays you you go and get the coupon and you can use that coupon for like 10 days and it's always just a free item so last week it was like a granola bar (laughs) and the week before you know it's it's usually something not totally trivial right free worthy if right. you will but the only yeah. place i've had a card and because i got it and it's literally still the same card that i got in 1997 is my safeway card um because <laughs> then they do you can use their app for in-store things but you just take a picture of the barcode and then it just puts it on your card so that when you check out right it applies that savings yeah you, you with the app you add it to your account same way and then it's you don't so have to use work. the app when you check out you just have to use the app sometime. I'll have not. And then when you check out and use your number. I'll have not nerd look into it for me. It's <laughs> make all my decisions for me. Um, does electricity have mass? Uh, it, or is that like how light is and isn't all these things? Is, yeah. So it it is electrons traveling at the speed of light. And so technically they're massless. And and so the answer is going to be no, no with a but, <laughs> no with a but, but yes right. with an and or whatever exactly, that is. exactly. Uh, <laughs> okay, you know they they are particles, but they're massless in in that they travel at the speed of light. Uh, okay, but um, I was thinking, well, I, I would think I would I would think that you, technically there's probably some mass there because I was trying to I was trying to get to. <laughs> answering the real question of do our thoughts then have mass because our thoughts are just electricity and things firing off and trying to figure out if there was a weight or a mass to to our thoughts anyway so have you watched any of netflix's our planet i think it's called it's their new planet earth our planet Oh, I've seen Planet Earth There's 2. There's Planet Earth, Planet Earth 2, Blue Planet, which is the one all about the oceans that came out like in 2001. Uh, but there's a new Netflix uh, one called mm. Our Planet. So a couple months ago, we had a guest on the show from the um, Edibles um, oh, right. company. <laughs> and uh, I got some on Friday. And so I have watched one of those shows. Oh, nice. Very How much of it do you remember? <laughs> Not even the title. <laughs> but it was beautiful. Do you remember and, which one you watched? Moving. I've only seen, I've seen the reef one and then the jungle one so far. It, there was definitely a lot of seaweed. <laughs> there was definitely nature in it. Nature and sea. It was like a seaweed. Okay, yeah, yeah. Escape. There's a kelp forest one. Kelp forest. So, oh, one. yeah, I watched that one too. Yeah. So it's amazing. yeah, it's a new series and it's it's amazingly shot and it is uh, narrated by David Attenborough, which probably it, right. 
also did all of the other Blue Planet world everything who is just I could listen to him all day. Right. I was so mad when Planet Earth came out on DVD they dubbed the American version with Oprah Winfrey oh. instead of David Attenborough. And I was, I was furious. Uh, but he does that one and it's, it's so great. But then, yeah, there's, I, I started writing down notes um, because it all kind of came back to the same theme over and over. And they were like, these coral reefs or these kelp forests are beautiful and intricate and vital for life on earth. And since we've started filming this, 90% of them have died <laughs> because the coral got all bleached and we overfished and left everything unchecked and unbalanced. And uh, it was getting me really depressed. And then I was listening to a bunch of conversations about space debris in uh, like all of the, the the crap that's orbiting Earth that like oh. either fell off or something or like India just India like just did a big exploded explosion. their satellite. And be like, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> We promise. We added 60,000 new pieces of shrapnel to. So I've been, yeah, I've been getting, and someone, I think it was on a a, a digital trends uh, podcast actually that I was listening to that said, um, like it was just the, the what if possibility of we trap ourselves on earth because we can't launch things into orbit because there's too many things in the way and it's too dangerous, but our planet is also overheating. So we're, trapped in something that we cannot get out of like there is no escape and i've just been really sad about things (laughs) things lately humans i know so between that and listening to the poor blue planet where they're like this magnificent creature that we spent all this time with is now dead so (laughs) um i had one other thing and I will cut out that elongated conversation we just had gushing about Portland's own Storm Large, uh, who is bringing her show back uh, crazy enough, who is a, a one woman show that she does. That's amazing. If you have a chance to go see that, do that. But if you don't know who Storm Large is, your life is poor for it. Uh, Google it with safe search on, <laughs> by the way. But uh, go to YouTube, actually, and, and search her out because she sings with symphonies and is amazing. So I have a choice, Mark. Do you want to... Go through a little list of spurious correlations, or do you want to play a little bit of Guess That TV Show theme song, oh. which I don't know the answer to. I just found a little YouTube video that gives you a little time and plays some TV show theme songs. Uh, let, let's dip into the TV show theme songs, and then we'll do the correlations. Okay. Okay, so this is, can you guess the television theme song? I don't think this has started yet. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> You'll have masterpiece theater. <laughs> Fifteen <laughs> seconds. This laborious. Good luck. Okay, we get it. <laughs> Two thousand one: A Space Odyssey. Well, this is. I. <laughs> this is so far going horribly. Apparently that was the theme song to Heroes. The show Heroes, which I would... Okay, well. Uh, uh, Susan... Fraggle Rock! I've never seen Fraggle Rock. This is much less interesting. This is Mad Men, which is an amazing little piece of music. I think... I think Tina Fey's husband wrote this. 
because he's oh. a musician, and I think he did the intro to 30 Rock, too, hmm. but that's... I, maybe I got that mixed up. Uh, there's a little Lost. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty... Oh. Oh, man. ER. Oh. I was never a big ER fan. Big ER fan. We suck at this. Oh, that was that 70s show. This was much less interesting than I thought. So let's move on to Spurious Correlations. Cool. Spurious Correlations. So I found spurious a great, great uh, website um, that you can probably just type in Spurious Correlations into Google. Um, but it just shows different charts of unrelated things uh, that they plot on a graph that happen to correlate with each other. Okay. So there is, Got it. for instance, the number of people who drown by falling in a pool correlates almost exactly with the films Nicolas Cage appeared in. <laughs> per year? The per, the per capita cheese consumption correlates with the number of people who died by becoming tangled in their bed sheets. That's and when you look at amazing. them on a graph... The, this, the, this, these are the definitions of correlation. Correlation does, does not mean causation. Totally, totally. Uh, per capita consumption of mozzarella cheese correlates with the civil engineering doctorates award <laughs> awarded. <laughs> the U.S. The, boy, this is a failed bit too. I need hold on. There we go. The per capita consumption of chicken correlates with the total U.S. crude oil imports. Okay, this is. <laughs> uh, whatever move along it was much more interesting in my head so let's move on to some news um guess who's always been listening and i am shocked shocked i'm not that shocked amazon oh yeah let us all know that thousands of people around the world whose goal of course it is help to um, to help improve the alexa digital assistant powering its echo speakers have been listening to us the team listens to re voice recorded uh recordings captured in the echo's home offices um the recordings are transcribed annotated and then fed back into the software as part of an effort to eliminate gap in alexa's understanding of human speech and help it better respond to commands hey google are you listening to us Yes. Yes. So I think most people assume that when it says you were sending this to Google, it just meant that they're feeding it into a machine or doing whatever. But this uh, latest thing uh, showed that there's uh, thousands of different people uh, all over the world uh, from Boston to Costa Rica, India and Romania uh, who have all signed, of course, non-disclosure agreements, barring them to speak publicly about it. They work nine hours a day with each reviewer parsing as many as 1000 audio clips per shift according to two workers based at the Bucharest office, uh, which takes up the top three floors of blah, blah, blah. Um, one guy was like, I was just told to listen for things about Taylor Swift. Wow. Yeah, so I don't know. So that goes on and on. There's a, a big, long article in Business Insider about that, so you can go check that out if you're more interested. But the point is that, of course, everyone's Of course listening. they're listening. And I I. The thing that would scare me is if an if someone were listening for me, like like 
not for you to say something, but for your voice. For Mark Mark Middleton is saying these things. And so like that being handed over to a government entity right. or, or something like that. Right. Yeah. Not here's a hundred thousand conversation or a hundred thousand statements that have been asked to Alexa. Right. Are they accurately being interpreted and are they, what's the trend of, you know, colloquialisms or, you know, super crazy accents that aren't being interpreted correctly or things like that. Right. Well, I mean, it's just going to get to a point where, yeah. What has Todd Workoven ever said? And then like, let me pull that up on a list somewhere. Right. Listen to the last 137 episodes of the Mark and Todd cast to find out what Todd Workoven has to say. Um, well, Julia Assange was dragged off, uh, into jail. Um, he faces decades after he was hauled screaming out of an Ecuadorian embassy, um, and if you read and believe certain reports, there may or may not be poop smeared all over the walls of his room as uh, I don't know if that's just to paint him as a crazy man. And I was trying to figure out, you know, it does raise a lot of ethical questions about things like WikiLeaks and and government information and stuff like that. And I was sort of uh, um, relieved to find out that he's facing jail, not because technically because he released uh, information, but because he was like literally hacking people's computers and doing all sorts of nonsense. There's a, he looks like that picture of him being dragged out screaming. He looks like the Unabomber. Who's that's the bridge keeper from, uh, from Monty Python's Holy Grail. (laughs) (laughs) I did see him compared to a bearded David Letterman too, which is pretty great. Um, so yeah, he was, uh, He's charged with hacking 750,000 classified um, uh, documents. So they were showing on the uh, Daily Show. Were they showing um, uh, this back to back thing of. Now, this just came out. This just came out. WikiLeaks. I love WikiLeaks. And then surprise. Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President, do you still love WikiLeaks? Uh, I know nothing about WikiLeaks. It's not my thing. (laughs) (laughs) But they were paragon of truth (laughs) and remembering things correctly. He, that picture is amazing of Julian Assange being dragged. His feet are back here. (gasps) Oh, so they're holding him up. Yeah, they're, they're holding him like a torpedo sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like a reverse pallbearer <laughs> with no coffin. Exactly. That is amazing. Uh, so did Ecuador just like get sick of him or do we yeah. know or Yeah. Uh, they and they issued a a really coherent statement and it boiled down to uh buy our coffee. <laughs> by, <laughs> apparently like he has just been terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. And um they, the Ecuadorian uh, president issued a statement when they released him detailing some stuff. But when he, there was like a turning point where he had basically hacked their emails and had, uh, was he living threatened, in the embassy? Yeah, he was living in the embassy and he threatened the president <laughs> of Ecuador. Uh, and they're like, 
I'm sorry, you no longer meet the criteria for a, a, a asylum seeker. Yeah, you you are a dick. <laughs> totally. But he, his cat with the ties and the collars. <laughs> Have you seen pictures that? of like what happened to the cat? <laughs> and then the cat would just go wherever it wanted oh and gosh. relieve itself wherever it wanted. And uh, Maybe that Julian was Assange was just it was skateboarding through the halls and, and hacking their wi Is he like a real life mental patient? Is that I, what we're dealing with? I, 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 but he's like just like a, a super villain right, type? Right. Wow. So, uh, yeah. That's so crazy. when he started threatening the president, they're like, <laughs> that was um, the, they drew the line there. Right. Um, well, Willamette Falls Trust is receiving $7 million donation for the Riverwalk project. Uh, they announced it uh, on Thursday, a project will develop the former paper mill sites to provide public access to the iconic Oregon City waterfall. The sources came from Connie Balmer of the Balmer Group and Ann and Bill Swindell's Charitable Trust. Uh, the Riverwalk project is set to break ground late spring 2020. It will repurpose one of the former mill buildings into an overlook structure. Oh, that's cool. Because that, I mean, yeah, if you still haven't seen that area uh, down by the Willamette Falls and... Uh, I was going past the river is so full. I, it is crazy. And so much debris is coming down where I am. Cause that's before it hits those falls. And there is just giant chunks of trees and debris. And it is unbelievably high. Um, but those buildings there, that old paperworks and, and mill is amazing. So it sounds like, um, they're going to repurpose one of the old mill buildings into the overlook structure. And Selwood park, Selwood park down by, Oaks, Oaks, Oaks Park. Oh, by Oaks Park. Oh, yeah. wow. It's all flooded out. That's great. And I went past OMSI and it, like, I don't know where the submarine is, if it's like actually underwater, but the, it looks like uh, OMSI is, is getting close. Anyway, um, blah, blah, blah. They can view the falls. It also will restore the habitat and gathering species as well as historical and cultural interpretations of the site. Willamette Falls is sitting, quote, Willamette Falls is sitting behind four locked chain fences. Uh, it's the nation's second largest waterfall by volume, which is a disgrace to the Oregon legacy to have it locked away. Uh, it has been a place of value and excitement for people to come to visit. And right now, the only there's only like one little tiny turnout in this like really right. narrow two lane section, section intersection of, the... of of Highway 99 that you can pull out that I do every once in a while. But yeah, it's it's amazing, and it's and I'm glad to see that it's going to be receiving some attention, as seen in the movie The Hunted. Yes, it is. And boy, Homer and Eddie. It was oh, in yeah. Homer and Eddie. Totally. Well, no, I guess the bridge was in Homer and Eddie. They didn't bother to actually film the waterfall there. Um, yeah, Homer and Eddie. Uh, the House of Representatives passed the Save the Internet Act. The Save the Internet Act enshrines the three legacy net neutrality principles, no blocking, no throttling, and no paid prioritization, and empowers the FCC to prohibit unjust, unreasonable, and discriminatory practices. All of this is great news, except that Trump said he will veto the bill, and it's not even going to make it past Senate Majority Mitch McConnell, um, which he called dead on arrival in the Senate. Um so even though the public support for restoring net neutrality is overwhelming, including Republican voters, due to the conditions in the Senate and Trump's veto threat, net neutrality is still dead and does not appear headed for resurrection. Uh, one of the um, uh, 
Senator Cory Gardner, Republican of Colorado, uh, whose reason for blocking this all was, did the internet die last year? After they repealed it. So there we go. Important business? Nope. Oh, I was all excited. Sorry. A Bell's pa- no Bell's palsy update. Nope. Um, well, we talked a couple weeks ago about uh, all the different media companies that own the world. And this is uh, one of the other big ones that we didn't talk about because they're not huge. But uh, I thought was interesting is Univision, which is the Spanish language channel. They own a bunch of stuff. Um, they used to own Gizmodo Media and The Onion of oh, all wow. things, which used to be based in Minneapolis, um, Minnesota. They uh, sold those and their other properties to private equity firm Grant Hill Partners for an undisclosed amount. Oh, my gosh. That is adorable. I'm looking at a picture of Brian, the Unipiper, and his baby Scarlet. Oh, my gosh. They we won't good. say what it's for. Or can we? I don't know. Can we? Uh. But it's an adorable picture it's of him and his picture. child. He's going to be in a magazine article uh, in in the near future. And speaking of, he's not joining us today because he's far too busy and important now. He is the what I consider the star of the major motion picture, The Missing Link, Indeed. starring Hugh Jackman night, yeah. and Zach Galifianakis. He plays the bagpipes uh, in it as uh, <clears throat> Hugh Jackman's character plays the bagpipes, and Brian is the sound. It opens the movie. It's like the it's, opening joke. It's the one one minute into the movie, is, and it's like a good thirty seconds yeah. too. And he gets his own, like at the end, at, in the end credits. I thought maybe he'd be buried, like where they have all the music. He gets his own little space in the end sequence. It's huge. It says bagpipes performed by Brian the Unipiper Kid. It yep. was really, really cool. So congratulations to him for that. That that was really cool to see. Um, now, anyway. Now what, we can get his IMDb page going. I know. I know. Even I have an IMDb. He's been way more things than me and an, and an actual movie. Um, so back to Univision. The ones that they own is Gizmodo, Jalopnik, Jezebel, Deadspin, Lifehacker, Kotaku, which is a big, huge gaming site, uh, The Root, which is African-American news and culture, and The Onion, which owns the AV Club and Clickhole. So that's all going to some private equity group. In local news, your old hometown, sort of, Malala. Malala. Uh, A Malala woman lived 99 years with all her organs on the opposite side of her body. And didn't know that. And didn't until. know. Medical students at the OHSU think they found, uh, think they found the missing what? Link. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Listen to how poorly written this, this is. Oh, and from OPB. Oh. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. Here we go. Medical students at Oregon Health and Science University think they found during an anatomy class the longest lived person with transposed organs. Wow. That is a clunky way to say that. So I'll rewrite that on the fly with medical students at OHSU think they found the person alive long. Okay. I know I see why they <laughs> ran into their problems. Uh, they found the longest lived persons with transposed organs during an anatomy class. They're just trying to fit that anatomy class in there. Uh, Rosemary Bentley lived 99 years without knowing her organs were located on the opposite sides of her body. Uh, she donated her uh, body to OHSU uh, after she died. Um, and her condition only was discovered after they did uh, examined her during the anatomy class. She didn't know she had situs inversus, 
a uh, condition where her liver, stomach, and other abdominal organs were located on the opposite side of her body. They could have figured that out with the the pill cam. They would have been going down the wrong way like it was in England. (laughs) Uh, Quote, I knew something was up, but it took us a while to figure out how she was put together, said Cam Walker, fake name, (laughs) uh, assistant professor at anatomy uh, at OHSU. Uh, He estimates that only one in 50 million people born with situs inversus live long enough to become an adult. It usually results in life-threatening heart problems and other abnormalities. Uh, Bentley's family said she had no chronic health problems aside from arthritis. None of her children were aware of the condition and don't think that she knew either. One of her daughters said her mother would have loved the attention. My mom would think this is so cool. She would be tickled pink that she could teach something like this. She probably would get a big smile on her face knowing she was different but made it through. (laughs) Tickled pink, but on the other side. Satisfying, isn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> she did see this is weird too. She had three organs removed during her life, but and only the one notice. who, yeah, the only one, uh, but only the surgeon who removed her appendix recorded its unusual location. So I guess the other ones just weren't paying much attention. So it's all kind of squishy all in there, <laughs> anyway. Right. That's why I, I always hear that about cis, uh, cesarean section, C sections, is that they literally just scoop it all out to the side to get to the uterus and once they're done they just sort of like shove it back in like if you're trying to get chopped chopped vegetables off a cutting board how you're just like kind of aiming it all toward one side and they're like nope it'll settle itself out good not good at all well speaking of feel-good stories like that this one's kind of been overplayed this week but i had several people send it to me and i couldn't pass it up so this will probably turn out to be a fake story but i am (laughs) I am all on board. Doctors treating a Taiwanese woman with an eye infection were surprised when they found four bees embedded in her eyes to feeding on her tear ducts. No. The doctors found the bees uh, under her swollen eyes. The uh, head of the doctor's ophthalmology department, Dr. Hong Chi Ting, said at a press conference that such bees nest near graves and in fallen trees. So chances of coming across them are high when you're uh, when you're hiking in the mountains. Uh, Quote, this lady said, I was visiting and tidying a relative's grave with my family. I was squatting down and pulling out weeds. Uh, assuming that the sand and dirt had gotten into her eye, she said that she cleaned her eye with water at the time. However, she started experiencing a stinging pain and her eye would tear up constantly. Uh, the doctor said, I saw something. Get ready to be horrified. I saw something that looked like insect legs. So I pulled them out under, <laughs> I pulled them out under a microscope slowly and one at a time without damaging their bodies. The insects were later identified as sweat bees. He explained that even though sweat bees do not attack people, they are attracted to the perspiration of humans. Um, they have a tendency to land on humans and obtain moisture and salts from them, said the <laughs> department. So always clean your eyes after you clean someone's grave. That seemed oddly specific. They hang around graveyards and fallen trees. So maybe they bury their dead differently wherever this in Taiwan was but have oofed uh, uh, I saw something that looked like insect legs coming out of her eyelids so do they think they went in there like as larva kind of thing and then grew in that I think they're small but that's where it yeah it doesn't uh, it doesn't say they grew into it 
so they just the other story I heard is that they just like they blew into her eyes and she thought it was just dust. dust. So it did. That's the part that seemed a little unlikely four to me that you have four like bees fly <laughs> into your eyes and you're kind of unaware. But uh, much like David Duchovny, I want to believe in that story. So, uh, have you seen that the Chinese scientists mixing human genes with monkey genes? No. Yeah. So they. Uh, I just need to get a sounder on this board of, of, uh, <laughs> of impending doom. Jeff Goldblum saying we've all we know that we can, but we didn't stop to wonder if we should, should. or whatever that Jurassic Park I mean, quote is. This is what. Wh- and that's the other thing is everything apes? is inevitable. Like we can't like all of this dystopian stuff. It's like we're all. And not to get too philosophical, but I was thinking about that old phrase, those that forget history, that never learn history are doomed to repeat it, Right. which I don't think is quite right. I think what's more correct is that we're doomed to repeat history because we don't have, we lack the capacity or have too much denial to see what our roles in that history was. Like right. we are always the hero of that story from right. history. We are always the ones that would have made the right decisions. Right. We don't realize that those people thought that too. Right. Bad guys don't, bad guys aren't super villains that think I am going to do this. They just, and I think there's a human nature element that says, I judge myself on my intentions and I judge other people on their actions. Yeah, totally. And I judge you one plus one equals two. Me, I'm that unsolvable math problem you see in like hidden figures on the giant chalkboard. That's how I view me. Right, right. And uh, yeah, so we definitely shouldn't uh, mix human genes <laughs> with monkey genes. But uh, when when we when Chinese scientists do. The monkey brains. I don't always performed. Better. I don't always mix human and monkey genes, but when I do, I'm from China. <laughs> I'm from China, and we get the results that we expect. They <sighs> were more cognitive and had better memory, and were able to uh, do complex math. <laughs> it was just like this is this, for real, hundred percent. And so this this article on CNN is Chinese scientists defend implanting human genes in the monkey brains. And so this was the fallout from, wait, from where, uh, well, this one's CNN, but you are fake news. Yeah. <laughs> well played. Uh, the time was a off on that one. <laughs> when I had to find it. You I are fake news. I haven't memorized it yet. Chinese uh, scientists defend. Oh, they're defending it too. Like the last time, I feel like something like this happened, which was like a month ago. They were. It was like some rogue scientist, the guy who cloned a. I don't know, like a, a dinosaur. Some are doing. calling the Chinese experiment an ethical nightmare. <laughs> scientists in China have cre- <laughs> created a new type of monkey. It's got a human brain gene. And that just might make it intelligence a little bit more like ours. That in turn makes its fate and its very existence very ethically fraught. Jeez Louise. That is terrifying. Of the 11 transgenic macaw (laughs) monkeys they generate. Macaque? Oh, macaque. Macaque. It's an old Rick Emerson joke. Uh, is mac- having the go on. Sorry, macaque monkeys. 
They generated six died. The five survivors went through a series of tests, including MRI brain scans and memory tests. Turns out they didn't have bigger brains than a control group of macaques, but they did perform better on short-term memory tasks. And the brains also developed over a long period of time, which is typical of human brains. So it took longer. We're better able I don't, to deal with things. Yeah. I don't like that. Nah. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> where where can I say no to that? Is there they're gonna during the screen of Gattaca tonight. <laughs> the the monkeys are gonna are gonna pair with the AI and just <laughs> and create an unstoppable killing force. Right. And they they'll just take the CRISPR uh technology with <laughs> that's them. what they that's what the Chinese somebody was messing around with a CRISPR uh, or something or other a couple right. of months ago and they're yeah, at like, least trying to just be made like, our babies a little bit whiter. Uh, you know, Jeez uh, <laughs> Louise. Oh, by the way. Macaque. Macaque. Anyway, well, let's. Uh, we don't have the Unipiper. We talked about him a little bit um, already. Go check out Weird Portland United and theunipiper.com for everything you need to know about the Unipiper. But um, we do have, once again, sonicsketches.com. So, sonicsketches.com is a proud sponsor of the Mark and Todd cast, and they make really cool displays out of uh, visual art made from the music that you love. So, your favorite song, a recording that you have of your own, anything that you have uh, is rendered as the waveform. Uh, you can either get a 12 by 12. Uh, panel on uh, 216 gram paper to be exact or get a longer 8 by 24 piece of brushed polished aluminum uh, like we said they do they do um, personal jokes personal jokes uh, personal <laughs> You're Easy. funny. You're funny. Yeah, so you, you just have a waveform of like it giving you positive affirmations, <laughs> like Stuart Smalley. Yes. You are great. But yeah, if you have a, like the, uh, a waveform of like a heartbeat or something that maybe a parent said at some point, or you have that old answering machine message from someone that's no longer re- boy, that took a <laughs> someone that's no longer around. <laughs> uh, or. You can have this personal joke by Mark Middleton made into beautiful art. Hey, Todd, have you, um, has, it, has anybody checked on Oklahoma recently? No. I just want to make sure they're still okay. <laughs> so that could, who knows, maybe that could be most, you know what it's like when you ask, uh, they asked French people what the most beautiful uh, word in the English language that they you know they didn't know English but what sounded the most beautiful and it was diarrhea just because of the way it sounded to them totally. that joke that you just told could be like the most beautiful waveform <laughs> that you've ever seen uh, so you can get that made I think I might be suffering from kleptomania oh but I took something for it That will have a long trail out on the on the waveform. So go it's to twelve feet long. <laughs> so go to SonicSketches.com and if you use the promo code Mark Todd, you can get free shipping anywhere in the United States. So those are made locally here in Portland. So support Portland-made artists and the Mark and Todd Castro all at the same time. So go ahead and do that. 
Um, well, this week there is really, really big news in science, and it was kind of a bigger deal than I was expecting people to like the, I would say, in everyday news uh, that I was accepting. And it everyone, was everywhere. Yeah, it was everywhere. So many different memes of the eye of Sauron, of it being a, a donut that someone was eating. We're, of course, talking about the, the first ever picture uh, ever captured of a black hole. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. So. I like the uh, the end of the joint of Snoop Dogg. Of Snoop Dogg. I did know, see that awesome. one. That was a pretty good one, too. I, I saw just a regular cat like from a distance or whatever when their eyes get shiny when the right. when the flash goes off. So really, really huge news, uh, something called the Event Horizon Telescope, um, which we'll talk a little bit more about too. Um, they published the picture of the black hole M87, um, which I was kind of disappointed they didn't name it. Yeah, They didn't give it. I, I mean, I yet. Th- I but think there's going to be a name. I they should have thought about that before. They had a, had a couple years Maybe. because even Googling this made it a little difficult. It didn't, right. it wasn't like Hubble telescope or like Pluto or, or it was a little, the marketing was a little off on that. Right. But um, as far as they science, were busy. they were busy. Uh, I don't know. Hire, hire freelancer <laughs> contact Todd Workoven for all of your copywriting needs, uh, NASA or whoever. So what, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, we've always had um, black holes have been, theorized they we've had illustrations of what we think's going on everyone's been showing the pictures from the movie the uh, black hole the black oh. the disney's black hole which is <laughs> a terrible movie <laughs> i think their first pg movie if i remember that correctly oh yeah um if you'd like that made into a notebook go to todd workoven no uh interstellar is the one that that every every news agency has been showing um but yes, that's mm. the black hole most of us know, but now we have a real one, and that was thanks to a lot of people around the world and um, and uh, one one lady suspe- uh, specifically with, with some of her uh, math skills. Katie Bauman is who made the algorithms. We'll talk about that a little bit more, too. So why don't you give an overview kind of what this is and, and what happened, Mark? Yeah, so... Uh... <clears throat> right before the show, you and I also watched Katie Bauman's TED Talk from a couple of years ago when she was describing the process that they were engineering to be able to do this. And what that did for me is it put into perspective the difficulty in taking this picture. You're taking a picture of something that's black that <laughs> that does not give off light. And it's also 55 million light years away. 55 million light years away. And the the scale to which we're working is a regular navel orange sitting on the surface of the moon and trying to take a picture of it from Earth. Right. And our, through the haze of the, the atmosphere, through the total, all the things, all the stars and galaxies in between, all the space dust, all right. of the stuff. Right. And so, in order to have that level of fidelity in a telescope, you need a lens or a mirror that's big enough to capture all the light to be able to do that. And so if you wanted to take a picture of an orange on the surface of the moon, you would need a lens that's as big as the earth (laughs) in order to do that. We don't have one. And we don't have one. And so what they've been able to do is uh, effectively use many telescopes around the earth 
as they as the earth spins you can get multiple data points from each of those and then they collect all of that data which was many terabytes of data and they couldn't transmit that data over the internet because it was just too big wow so they were flying hard drives around that's the world that's crazy that's right? like those pictures from the 60s where they're loading in with a forklift Ex- the exactly 268 meg there's hard na- drive. a new famous picture of katie bauman with uh, a stack of hard drives on her desk and it's uh many petabytes of data that they're collecting Is that after terra after terra yeah petabytes petabytes and I like what I like about that picture is that I saw it next to the picture of Margaret Hamilton with all with the all test of data. the test data from her hand coded yeah. uh, sending people to the moon. Is that what that was for? Exactly. And so that what that were those were all the unit tests of the uh, software that Margaret Hamilton was involved. Uh, she was on the team that wrote the software that controlled the uh, lunar lander and and the Apollo eleven and uh, the Apollo program software find and out all about margaret hamilton at markandtodcast.com and search margaret hamilton in the search bar and you yep. will find that episode the other margaret <laughs> hamilton the other one. that's what there we go i think it's what it's titled it is and because margaret hamilton is also the actress name who played the wicked witch of the west right <laughs> um so katie bauman dr katie bauman uh researcher at mit uh at the time she was a uh at the time of her TED talk, she was a researcher working towards her PhD, and now she has that. And uh, she was able to write an algorithm that once once you get all of this data into a uh, into a computer, it is still incredibly, incredibly, incredibly noisy because of the level of fidelity that you're working with. And the TED Talk, I totally recommend watching. It shows that they basically fed it a wide range of just images, not images of black holes or images of planets and stars, but like images of faces and uh, people just walking like on the beach. On everyone's Facebook feed, everybody's just like Facebook normal, feed. normal pictures, photos, yeah, and sna- you know, snap photos, snapshots, snapshots, and. The AI machines are able to use what we normally see as photos and the trends and the the edge definitions and how uh, pictures are created at the very pixel level. Once it has that information, it was able to take that noise and uh, discern a picture out of that of a black hole that is infinitesimal in size from our perspective in order to get it and uh, so a lot of computer code a lot of uh, images taken from around the world and this magnificent team of researchers and their brains all collectively piecing this incredible amount of data together to get an extraordinary image of something that we have theorized. We have equations that show things and all of that correlated and came up together and and we have a picture of a black hole, which is incredible. Einstein's theories were all... And the other thing that is kind of neat, when we 
first discovered that like I'm remembering the first picture of Pluto yep. and I'm forgetting how long ago that was, but just the not blurry, long ago. It was, like, I mean, it literally looked like the picture we got of this black hole. And now we have the high resolution pictures of the white and red Pluto. And just to think, well, in 50 years, maybe we'll have that much of a detailed picture of a black hole as well. So just to see how far we've come, like Pluto hasn't made it around the sun once since we discovered it, took a picture of it, called it a planet, demoted it as a planet, put it back as a dwarf planet, and then got a high resolution picture of it. It hasn't been one Pluto year yet. No. It's been a busy year for Pluto. Yep. Um, one other thing I liked is is when she was talking about the type of telescope that it would need um and comparing it to that orange on the moon, taking a picture of a picture of the of an orange on the moon from the Earth, the closest and most highest detailed picture we have of the moon from Earth would it still shows an area where every pixel has one million oranges in it. Right, and so that's as close as we can get to the moon from Earth, and we were able to take this picture from fifty five. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. Fifty five million light years. Right. Like you're going to speed of light. It still takes that long. Yeah. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. We're seeing what this black hole looked like 55 million, years, million ago. years ago. Yeah. And if you, you see the picture and you see, it kind of looks like pictures of people that have taken of the eclipse. Uh, and that's sort of the same idea is that we are seeing the light from the back of the black hole and the black hole in the middle of the picture is the shadow that that none the the event horizon that light can't pass because of the gravitational pull so it's all swirling around that central point it's making kind of a ring like saturn and then another perpendicular ring to that as it's as it uh, as it goes over so all of that light just swirling around and they had some the other thing that she showed in her talk was this animation of the stars around mm. this black hole that they had taken several years ago and seeing how it was swirling kind of like around the drain of a bathtub, the central point of the black hole. So the existence of black holes was first provo- uh, proposed following Einstein's general theory of relativity in 1915. So this is almost 100 years, uh, 104 years since Einstein's theory. Uh, that if an object's mass reached astonishing high levels, it would collapse in on itself into a singularity, a point in space where time uh, and time in space where gravity is so intense that the laws of physics break down. So that's even another thing to think of is how physics breaks down. But so, oh yeah, there's the little video of of the things getting. Oh, and you can see them kind of get slingshot slingshotted slingshot around that central point and just how Sling, far away this all slung shot <laughs> what was the word last week not attorneys general oh daylight savings time <laughs> daylight saving time oh <laughs> uh, it sounds so wrong all right so yeah that was the the big big news this week and and big <clears throat> news in kind of the history of humanity that for the first time we have proof that this thing that we've theorized about and that there seems to be a lot of in the universe does actually exist and does say that or do the things that we thought it might do. Totally. So, and because it's 2019, it, 
was also rife with stupid controversy. Um, so, <laughs> uh, the researcher that we were just talking about, Katie, Katie Bauman, was instant celebrity as she helped to uh, develop. She was kind of the leader of the development team that. Uh, built the, the algorithm. algorithm for doing the things. And so because she's not a white male, uh, there was a contingent on the internet that said, no, 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 that can't be right. And so <laughs> wait they, a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. So they, <laughs> they took um, Andrew Kale, C-H-A-E-L, and promoted him to, no, 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 here's the person who wrote... <laughs> 145,000 step of the, aside ladies the step, men are in town exactly and and so they promoted him and say no 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 this person actually wrote 145,000 of the 150,000 lines of code and um and Katie wasn't deserving she's of just this. a pretty face right and so this is the response from that person that they elevated to that position Andrew Cowell a- Andrew uh, Kale. Uh, so apparently, some, I hope very few, people online are using the fact that I am the primary developer of the EHT imaging software library, one of the libraries, to launch awful and sexist attacks on my colleague and friend Katie Bauman. Stop. Our papers used three independent imaging software libraries, including one developed by another person. While I wrote much of the code for one of these pipelines, Katie was a huge contributor to the software. It would not have ever worked without her contributions and the work of many others who wrote code, debugged, and figured out. So he's saying it is a team effort, definitely, mm-hmm. but Katie was, was indispensable. indispensable in this process. And um, and here's a picture of them together. And he found it kind of ironic and funny. He's a gay man. Uh, and so uh, they're like, you know, <laughs> pick your pick your hero. hero uh, <laughs> and because uh, it's usually a straight white male right. uh, many times. Yeah. Um, to be fair, the only controversy I saw were people complaining about a controversy. So it was right. like one removed of like, wait, is there really a controversy or the people? So I sub both i saw it evolve on reddit okay uh, i saw the oh, reddit. first picture of her and uh then the follow-up of here's the uh two guys yeah. that did it and and andrew kale was one of those and and some other dude well what about japan <laughs> did you hear about that guy that re- no <laughs> they were having some international news conference about it and it was like they were talking about like the whole team effort from around the world. And, and apparently one of the Japanese reporters <laughs> stood up and was like, talk about more. Have, oh, no. <laughs> Terrible. Wow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Edit that out. Right, seriously. <laughs> uh, talk more about Japan or right. something like that. And like the other Japanese <laughs> journalists were like horrified. At, like it's not about us. It like became this like mini controversy. Of, well, what about Japan? Nice, nice. Uh, anyway, yeah, so, so super news, great. And I'm team, excited that incredible. It was such big news. I think for everyone, like the whole world. That's why I said it's kind of surprised me. Yeah, how big of news it was, kind of at the outside science world. So uh, her profile picture is the picture. That's his. Oh, that's his. Yeah, of that's course. His. 
<sighs> Yay. Yay. Macaque. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Mark and Toddcast. Uh, you can go to markandtodcast.com to see all of our old episodes. There's a search bar there. So usually if you type in a subject or a title or some word that has to do with something, you can find an episode. Um, so go do that. Rate and subscribe us on iTunes. Uh, we are part of the Fun Employment Radio family. So you can check out uh, them at funemploymentradio.com. They have a supporters club that you can join and have access to their live chats and a lot of the other things they do. They do lots of events and fun stuff. So go check them out. Uh, check out the Unipiper, unipiper.com, and Sonic Sketches at sonicsketches.com using the promo code MarkTodd. Um, since we were talking about the very, very lovely Storm Large, I'm going to take us out. Mm-hmm. Oh, this doesn't auto feel. <laughs> uh, Storm uh, Large uh, song called Eight Miles Wide, which is featured in her one woman show, Crazy Enough. One of my favorite songs of all time. Go check it out on YouTube. Uh, we will play a little bit of it here. Uh, thank you for listening. See you next time. I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be